Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. How to handle stress. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. This is scripture proof, girls, that God cares about our shoes. Can I get an amen? All the ladies in the house. There's been shoes that aren't peaceful to wear. Come on. There's some that you can't wait to get them off your feet. And it says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet. Somebody say helmet. Tap your neighbor and say helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Can I pray with you this morning as we get started? Jesus, we just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I declare in this house that every ear is open and receptive. Every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, I declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave this place the same. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, I was getting ready to speak on this, and I just think it's interesting about stress. Stress. Isn't that an interesting topic to talk about? And when you think about it, I just looked into it, and it says that actually anti-stress or stress coping businesses is a multi-billion dollar industry, billion with a B. So which tells me I'm in the wrong profession. Like, I just need to help people with stress management. A multi-billion dollar industry. In fact, people are so stressed out that stress is on the rise 30% from 30 years ago. More people are stressed out today than in any other point in time in history. And here's another interesting stat. Is 80% of stay-at-home moms say that they feel stressed or overwhelmed on a daily basis? Where are all my stay-at-home moms? Can I get an amen? And then here's the interesting part is 47% of working Americans say that they are battling stress. And it's interesting that we think it's more peaceful to stay at home with your kids. And really the real stressed out people are the one at home with their kids. And so, which just tells me something that we are battling stress. And as I was preparing this and praying about it, um, the Lord just kept putting this in my heart, Ephesians 6, and to tell you Ephesians 6 and 17, to take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. I was like, Lord, what are you trying to say? And I couldn't figure out what God was saying. And he's like, I want you to tell my people, put the helmet of salvation on. And so when you're trying to hear God's voice, what do you do? You go online to thechurchrc.com and you listen to Pastor Brian's message on how to hear God's voice, right? And so I'm listening to it and I still can't hear God's voice. So then I listen to part two on how to pray. And I'm like, maybe I'm not praying right. And so I'm praying. I'm like, God, why do you want me to tell them to put on the helmet of salvation? Now, when you think about it, a helmet does what? It protects your head. And I'm like, what is it about the head that you're wanting me to tell 
people. What is it? Because nothing in the Bible is by coincidence. Nothing in the Bible is by accident. Everything there is for a purpose. So when God had Paul write this down, put on the helmet of salvation, he knew there was something about our head that we were going to forget. He wanted to make sure like a checklist of things that we were supposed to protect. And our head was one of those that he wanted us to protect. So I'm still praying about it. I'm like, God, how does our head have anything to do with stress? And then all of a sudden I get a word from God and it's a text message from my girlfriend. Hannah, my friend Leslie, her little girl Mason is actually going through riding lessons. She's learning how to ride a horse. And she is so cute. And so here she is, four years old, little 45-pound Mason up on this horse. And the video is of her squealing with joy as she's steering the horse to the right, and she's steering the horse to the left, and she's now able to stop the horse and tell the horse when to go. And she's squealing. She thinks it's so much fun. Her laughter really was contagious as I was feeling stressed about my message. And uh, I was sitting there watching it, and I thought, how interesting that this horse who weighs over a thousand pounds is being controlled by a four-year-old who weighs 45 pounds. And I began to just watch it and think about how interesting it is if the horse knew how little the thing was that was controlling him, he would probably say, I don't want to do what you want me to do. Why is the horse being obedient to something so small. And I began to think about it's what's attached to his head. The apparatus she has in the horse's mouth dictates where the horse goes. And it doesn't matter how big or small she is because at that moment, because she has control of his head, she has control of his body. And because she has control of his head, now she can tell him to go to the left and he goes to the left. He goes to the right. He will stop. He will go. He will turn. He'll do anything she says because she has control of his head. And I began to think about put on the helmet of salvation. And the Lord began to tell me to tell you that the reason why your life is a mess is because somebody has control of your head. And stress is really this. It's an outward pressure to control your inward life. It's trying to get you to change what you think. And and as I began to digress through this thought process, and I began to think about who's control of our head and the significance of the helmet of salvation, why it's so important for us to protect our head, I began to think about just medical science, how doctors can do anything nowadays. Uh, There's a girl in our church named Jonna. She's having knee surgery on Thursday, and they are literally, y'all, putting a dead man's ACL in her knee. Isn't that unbelievable? They're taking the ACL out of somebody who's passed away and putting it into her knee to help her be better. You can get kidney transplants. You can get a heart transplant. You can get things lift, tucked, sucked away. Come on, somebody, lifted, whatever you need added to. Um, They can do anything. But the one thing a doctor can't help you with is when you go brain dead. Your heart can be functioning. Your kidneys can work right. But if your head isn't right, you're not going to be able to have what? Life. And I began to think about how in our own lives, the enemy's got us so stressed out. We are so stressed out that somebody's taking control of our head. And because we, they've, the enemy's got control of our head, he has control of our life. So I'll just dare to say this. Your life is the product of the thoughts you've been thinking whether positive or negative, you cannot think of thoughts of lack and live in abundance. 
You cannot think thoughts of defeat and be an overcomer. It all starts right here. And I just want to challenge you that you're bigger than what's trying to control you. You're bigger than what's navigating you. And if I could get you to control your head, you'll stop going to the left and the right with this little four-year-old telling you what to do. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to realize who you are in Christ and to begin to move forward and take control of your life. In 1865, slavery was abolished. And before that time, when a slave master would go purchase a slave, he would give them a place to sleep. He would give them food to eat. But the one thing no slave master let the slave do is read. The reason why he didn't want him to read is because he wanted control of his head. Because if he can control his head, then he can control his life. As long as he can keep him into thinking that this is the only way life is created to be, then he can keep him living less than what he's called to live. The same goes in your own life. Why is the biggest fights we have as couples on Sunday morning on our way to church? It's because the enemy knows if you can come into a service like this and hear that you're more than a conqueror, that you, you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you, then all of a sudden your knowledge of God will become greater than the lies that have been told to you and you'll begin to take control back of your head, which means you can take control of your life. Can I get an Amen. But what is your thought process? I want you to think about this, Luke chapter 4. We're not going to read it for sake of time, but Jesus is up in the wilderness, and he's being tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus hasn't eaten. Have any of y'all ever missed a meal and got hungry? Come on. I can't imagine 40 days and nights without food. I just, I'm out. Like, that would be hard. I would be more than a little cranky. I would be a lot cranky. Okay? So he's up there, and he's no food, no nothing, 40 days and nights. And the devil comes to tempt him. And every temptation that the devil said, Jesus replied to the devil, it is written, man shall live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil tempts him again. And Jesus recants with, it is written. I find it interesting that Jesus didn't tell the devil what he felt. He didn't say, you know, I feel really tired. I've been out here isolated and alone, and I feel, I feel hungry. I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. I feel, because you know why? The devil doesn't care about your feelings. He cares about what you know. And as Jesus told the devil what he knew, the Bible tells us that the devil fled. And I think all of our life, we spend all of our time talking about how we feel. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like this is going to work out. I feel so stressed. I feel so overwhelmed. I feel like this isn't going to work out. Yeah, keep talking about what you feel. And you're going to stay in the wilderness. The only way to get out of the wilderness is to begin to declare what you know and what you know from God's word. The devil doesn't care about how you, how you feel. He's not very sympathetic. He's just going to keep keeping you in that hard place. But when you begin to say what you know, victory is on the other side. Things begin to change when Jesus said what he knows. And the same goes for you. You're going to begin to see things change in your life as you begin to declare what you No, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Somebody say imaginations. Say imaginations. The casting down of what? 
imaginations. I was a strange child. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. And my kids are always like, mom, tell us stories about when you were a kid. I was one of those kids. I used to love to put glue on my hands and I let it dry and I'd eat it off. True story. So my kids are always like, tell me another funny story. Okay, so there was this one summer, I spent the whole summer trying to dig a hole to China. Um, I had three spoons out of my mom's kitchen and I covered it up with a board every night. And when my mom went back to work, I'd go back out there. And I really thought eventually the sky would peak open and all these people from China would be waving at me. Like finally somebody broke through. Um, I did lots of weird things. Um, Do you love this, Candace? I think we would have been great friends as kids. And we both would have been out there just digging. And I had an imaginary friend, and his name was Mike. And Mike was like my best friend. He went everywhere with us. In fact, my mom said that every night as I went to sleep, I was talking to Mike. You know, I wasn't that old. I was like 13, 14. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) And we would be driving down the road, and I'd go, hey, guys. I'd tell everybody in the car, look over. Mike's riding beside us on his motorcycle. And everybody's like, mm. And my mom said there was a point where people in our family were like, aren't you a little concerned about Crystal and her imaginary friends? And she's like, no, it's fine. And what's interesting is I was the only one who saw Mike. He didn't exist to anybody else. And he didn't affect anybody else's world but mine. I was the only one aware when he was there or he was not there. And as silly and ridiculous as that sounds, let's put that scripture back up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says, casting down the imaginations. In other words, your stress and worry is your imaginary friend. I want to ask you, how many imaginary friends are keeping you up at night? Because you wake up to them every night. And they begin to talk to you about how your business is going to fail, how your marriage is going to end in divorce, how you're going to declare bankruptcy, how your kids are never going to serve the Lord, how things are never going to work out for you, how the symptoms in your body you're going to die from. They begin to whisper lies to you. And the Bible doesn't call them real attacks. It calls them imaginations. In other words, it's not even real. It only becomes real to you when you entertain it. It only becomes real to you. Nobody else can see it. Nobody else even knows it's there, but yet you are the one who wakes up every night after a full night's sleep and yet you're not rested because you've been wrestling with ghosts of what if. You've been wrestling with ghosts of maybe. You've been wrestling with ghosts of what bad destruction may lay ahead. And it says, and everything that exalts itself against the what? Knowledge. Knowledge of God. So in other words, the only way to overcome these imaginations is you got to take control of your head. You got to take control of what you know. What do you know about God to be true? What do you know in his word to compete whenever a symptom in your body rises up that you're able to declare, no, by his stripes, I am healed. When all of a sudden, see, because the things that happen in your life are imaginary friends knocking at the door saying, you're not going to make it through this financial crisis. And the only way you're going to overcome is the knowledge of God's word to declare that God, I thank you that your word says that everything that I put my hand to will prosper. Lord, I declare that all my house will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what imaginary things is going through my mind. I'm taking back control of my head so I can take control of my life. Some of you are just running away with your thoughts. The enemy's having a heyday with your thought life. And let me just tell you, you're bigger than what's attacking you. 
You are being attacked by imaginary things. And the Bible says against the knowledge of God. Every attack in your life is trying to make the word seem null and void to you. It's trying to make you think that it won't work for you. It says, and bringing into captivity every thought. Man, it sounds like where's the battleground on this? Is it the economy? Is it our government? Is it your boss? No, it sounds like the battle's right here. It's your mind. But let me just ask you, in this whole scripture, whose responsibility is it? Is it God's responsibility or is it yours? It looks like to me, it's your choice. It's your choice if you're going to take your life back. But the way you take your life back is to take your head back. What do you know? I love this in 1 Peter 5.8. Are y'all getting something today? 1 Peter 5.8, it says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober. Well, people will preach this and say, well, it means don't get drunk. Okay. Well, I'll just say this. A lot of people are drunk on fear, drunk on worry, drunk on stress, drunk on anxiety. And see, because what he's saying is be sober. He's saying protect your mind. Because what happens is when you're under the influence of stress and fear and worry and anxiety, you start to make stupid decisions that you normally wouldn't make. Just as a drunk driver behind the wheel is a hazard to everybody around him, a person, a dad who's stressed out begins to holler at his kids like he shouldn't. A mom who's stressed out begins to snap on her kids like she shouldn't. And the Bible tells us to be sober. In other words, you have to make a choice to take your mind back. You have to make a choice that I'm going to start thinking the way God thinks, and I'm going to stop letting my mind run away with everything else. In Matthew 9, it tells a story of the woman with the issue of blood. And the Bible tells about how Jesus was coming into town and there was a woman with the issue of blood who had had the problem for 12 years. Now, y'all, that's a long time to be sick. Let's just be honest, right? All the girls in the house say amen. 12 years is a long time. The Bible says she spent all she had on doctors, but she heard about Jesus. And it says that she kept saying to herself, I know. I know if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And the Bible goes on to say that the very moment that she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. See, she wasn't healed by a doctor. She wasn't healed by staying home and stressing about how is my life going to work? This is never going to work out for me. She got changed when she knew something different. She got changed when she said, I know that if I can just touch the hem of his garment. See, when her head changed, her life changed. When her thoughts changed, her body changed. And in your own life, you got to begin to know something different than what you're experiencing. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. I know that his word to be true. Paul said, this is the thing that I want to know. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. In other words, I know that if I can just get this right, everything else else in my life will line up. Let me tell you, church, it's so important that you begin to know him. When you know him, everything changes. The Bible talks about the scripture with the woman with the issue of blood. And it says actually in the original Hebrew, it says that she said it over and over to herself. In other words, the whole way down the street, when she left her house, she was saying, I know if I just touch the hem of his garden, I know if I just do it. As she pressed through the crowd, she said, I know. In other words, what you say, 
say is a product of what you think. And when your thinking and your saying line up, your life begins to change. That's why it's so important that you begin to declare, thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. That's why it's important for you to walk into your house and you say, these kids are going to serve the Lord. That's why you need to place your hands on your checkbook and say, God, I thank you that everything that I put my hand to is going to prosper. God, I thank you that your word says that you've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. The Bible, your life isn't going to change by what you feel. It's going to change by what you know. But the devil wants you to live in the feelings because he wants you to feel stressed because he wants you to forget that you're the thousand pound one in control. If you can just get control of your mind. I want to ask you five questions that the Lord wanted me to tell you. And I think it'll help as I'm running out of time. Number one, why are you stressed? Why are you stressed? Have you ever said why you're stressed out loud and it sounds really stupid? Come on. Me and one person. Thank you. Amen. Do you want to start a group together? Me and you. Okay. Thanks, Hannah. So we were about to move into the school and uh, Crystal Figueroa, who's over our uh, creative, uh, she's our creative director here at the church. She said, Pastor Crystal, why are you stressed out? I was like, well, I'm kind of stressed that nobody's going to show up. And she goes, let's just be honest. Out of 700 people, I think somebody is going to show up. And the minute it came out of my mouth, I realized how stupid it sounded. Why are you stressed? Number two, when is the last time you had fun? A lot of times I think we're really stressed out because we haven't had a day off in a long time. Isn't it interesting that America is the most overworked society in the world? We're also the most in-debt society in the world. We're also the most depressed society in the world. I think we're missing something. Take a day off and have fun. The Bible set it up that six days of labor and one day of rest. You should have a day of rest. And my day of rest is at North Park. And all the ladies in the house said, amen. I'm a traveling economic stimulus package. Everywhere I go, they're blessed. I'm insuring jobs all through Dallas, Royce City, Rockwall area. When's the last time you had fun? Quit taking yourself so seriously. Well, Crystal, is having fun spiritual? Yeah, it is. Jesus' first miracle was at a party. He turned water into wine, which that tells me he's okay with you having fun. He's okay with you having a day off. Number three, why haven't I asked for help? Why haven't you asked for help? Isn't it amazing how we just try to solve it ourselves? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No, you're not. You need help. I looked this up. What is the reason people are stressed? I Googled it. Why are people stressed? This is from a secular website, and this is verbatim. Are you all ready? All my church RC people will think this is awesome. Number one reason why people are stressed, lack of community. And it interesting? We have community groups. No matter what you're going through, we have a group for you. One of the main reasons people get stressed is for finances. Some of you, the best decision you can make is to go through a financial community group. 
We've got groups in, in Greenville. We've got groups here in Roy City, finance groups. Get yourself in a finance group and say, you know what? We're going to get help. There's a couple named Beatrice and Roberto. They went through uh, our finance group last semester. They are, in December 1st, they will be completely debt-free. <laughs> completely debt-free. That didn't come by them trying to solve the problems on their own. That came when they got into a room with other people and said, I need help. Some of you, what you need is just to go play golf with some other guys on Sundays. Some of you, you need to get into a, uh, we have a women's group that meets at a coffee shop on Monday mornings. You need to get in that community group because sometimes when you're about to snap and like snap on your kids, you need somebody to tell you, girl, it's okay. You're going to make it. Like, don't snap on your kids. It'll be all right. That's why we have groups keeping mom sane. Amen. But you need a community group. Well, Crystal, y'all are always talking about community group. Why is it so important? Well, I think secular world would agree when it says that the number one reason why you're stressed out, why you're feeling defeated is because you have lack of community. And that can't happen on a Sunday morning. You need to get together with other people and begin to go through life with somebody. Next, the question I want to ask you, number four, what was the result the last time this happened? What was the result the last time this happened? I have never in all my years been sitting talking to somebody and be like, hey, Jason, you know that really big thing, that problem that you had a while back, that financial crisis that you went through? How'd you get through that? And him go, you know, it was really interesting. I just didn't sleep for a few months. I was completely stressed out. My blood pressure went through the roof. I ended up getting on blood pressure meds. I had migraines for a few months. And then just after I stressed long enough and hard enough, all my problems solved. Has anybody ever told you that? No. Have you ever seen a commercial? Get more stress. It'll solve your problems. But yet we keep doing it because we think it's going to solve it. Why are you loyal to something that isn't working? Why are you loyal to something that isn't working? The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Quit being stressed out. The reason why you're stressed out is because you haven't gotten your head under control. The last thing I want to tell you is this, is why did I start in the first place? Why did you start in the first place? See, stress comes in and it makes you want to forget why you started in the first place. I have this box that Jimmy kept trying to get rid of today. He thinks my box is ugly and it is kind of ugly, but it's my box and I love it. So Jimmy, don't take it away. But I have a box at my house and this box is like overflowing. It's now plurality of boxes. But all your cards and letters you send to us, I keep them. I keep every single one. And when I'm stressed out and I'm worried, I open up that box and I remind myself why I started this in the first place. When the enemy comes in and tells me you're not making a difference, nobody even cares what you're doing, the sacrifice you're making, I open up that box and I begin to read your letters. This is uh, one of our first Connect cards we got at the Church Roy City. And it was on our first Sunday on September 28th. And it was from, oh no, all, everything just dropped. Jimmy, can you help me? <laughs> And it was from Jordan Simmons, and she wrote on it, I really hope the church RC works out. And I kept it because I was crying at my kitchen table when I got it on our first Sunday. And I thought, me too. I hope it works out. (laughs) I left everything, baby, for this to work out. And then I, I began to look through it, and 
I've got this one, and it says, Pastor Brian, thank you, thank you, thank you for obeying the call and leading us all on this wonderful, magical journey. I couldn't imagine a better team to take this journey with, and I could never dream of a better pastor to guide the way. I think they meant to write this to me. (laughs) I'm so privileged to sit under your leadership. Thanks for not kicking me off the team. And then I've got this one. And it's from a little girl. She wrote a little picture on it. And she wrote to Pastor Crystal, look on the inside. And she put a little picture inside there. And she wrote about how much she loves the church. I kept that one too. That was from October of the year we launched. And then I've got this one from a mom that came. And she flew in from out of town. And her daughter came into the church. She, her marriage was on the rocks. She was lost. Her daughter was on antidepressants. She was so lost. She came to the church where city and found hope. And the mom wrote to Pastor Crystal, and she wrote about how she cares that we stepped out and obeyed. I began to read cards like this that say, Brian and Crystal, I honest, in all honesty, I've been trying to write this note for a month of Sundays, and you may never know how much you and the church are seeming to me. Since the day I met your family, I have been overwhelmed with gratitude. The moment I walked in the front door, I was hit with a peace that still brings tears to my eyes. I was not only completely loved and embraced, I was safe. And I never thought you could feel safe in a church. Every church I ever had been in, I never felt that way. The church RC has changed my life. I have believed my whole life to be a part of something like this. And if you would have told me eight months ago that Sunday would be the highlight of my week, I would have laughed in your face. She went on to talk about how much the church has changed her life. I began to read my daughter's little note. She put it by my bed the other day. And she wrote to mom from Braley. I love that you laugh when I'm telling you a joke. I love that you inspire me. I love that you make me laugh. I love how you're such an amazing pastor. I love that you have such a pretty smile. I love that you care for me. I love how you sing around the house. I keep telling Brian I should be on the worship team. I do good air drums. And she says, I hope this makes your bad days better. Read this if you ever feel sad. You know, you've got to have a box to remind yourself why you started in the first place. Because when the enemy comes in and tells you that you're not a good mom, You need to have something to pull out and say, I am a good mom. I am doing a good job. When the enemy comes in and tries to start controlling your head, you're not a good wife. You're not doing everything right. You can pull out that box of that love note he wrote you five years ago. Come on, still true today. And and you pull it out and say, I am a good wife. And he does love me. When it begins to tell you, you're not making a difference in your workplace. You have that letter from a coworker that says, when you came in and you started that group at our work, our place of work and you began to tell me about Jesus, it changed my life. You got to remember why you started in the first place. God has a plan for you. Amen. Can you stand on your feet? I just want to pray for you real quick as we close. Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for your love and your grace. To every person that's stressed out, I just say peace. 
or they've been worried and anxious and their minds have been running away with negative thoughts. God, right now, I just speak peace to the storm and declare that God, you are greater. Lord, right now we issue a notice and say, we're taking our heads back. We're taking our mind back. We're gonna stop being awakened in the middle of the night with imaginary things. And we're gonna start being awakened with your potential and awakened with your goodness, awakened with your love and your grace and your favor. That God, I thank you that when the enemy comes in and tries to start controlling our thoughts, that God, we're gonna begin to attack the enemy with what we know. And what we know is that you are good and that you are faithful and that you are loving, that you've never left us, you'll never forsake us, that God, you're a provider, that you're rich in mercy. God, we love you. And God, right now we just say peace. In Jesus' name. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.